Welcome, I'm Bill Young, the pastor at Sweat Memorial Baptist Church, and we are thankful you've joined us to listen to our weekly podcast. Through this sermon podcast, we hope to bring encouragement to your heart, help grow your faith, and inspire you toward a closer walk with the Lord. To learn more about our church, find us online at smbcwaycross.com or through Facebook and Instagram. I'm glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy the message. I want to begin reading in verse 36, and I will stop before 41 and 42, and that's the passage that I will exegete and exposit with us this morning. It is the day of Pentecost, and to those who may not be aware of the day of Pentecost, it is that promise of the Holy Spirit that fell on the church, on the disciples, you know, as Jesus had promised. And Peter is preaching, and all of the disciples are preaching with power. And of course, his message always leads up to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying on the cross for our sins, raised as a witness at the right hand of God. And then in verse 36, the apostle closes that message like this, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were pierced or pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this crooked or untoward generation. Let's pray again. Lord Jesus, with your word before us, I pray it will be in our hearts, and that when we come to a moment of decision, that every one of us will honor the voice of the Holy Spirit and what we are called to do in your name. I pray for that unction to preach this word. Forgive us of our sins. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The title of the message, and I want to warn all of that great team that provides the projection each week, and that is, I just could not come up with a title that I felt good with for this message So when Ellen Scott came to get the projection ready, I said, Ellen, if you come up with a title, give it to me. Christian Baseball is our title today. And I thank her for putting that title together, and you will understand it here in just a second. With the children being baptized today, and some months ago on a Sunday night, I shared with you how I share with our children when they come to see me about their profession of faith. And I want to use that as the outline for the message today, and it is biblically based right here in verses 41 and 42 in the book of Acts. But when one of your children comes to me and wants to talk about their relationship with Jesus, their profession of faith, 
All they basically know to say, and you've heard me say this before, is when I ask them, what do you want to talk about? Because I never assume the agenda. They say, I want to be baptized. And I know right away what they want, and I know what they mean too. But I say, let me tell you a little story, and I don't know where I heard this story a long time ago. And that is, I ask them, you know, you know about baseball or you know about any sport where you kick a ball, you hit a ball, you run the bases and all of that, yes. And I said, well, this guy got up to bat one day and he was vowed and determined to hit a home run. But it went against the back wall. It did not go out of the ball field. And he decided, I'm going to run as hard as I can and I'm going to make this an infield home run. And so he did. And when he crossed home plate, he was so excited his side was excited. His team was excited. They ran out to meet him, but the umpire called him out. Now, I wish you could be with me when I say that to the children because so many of them are sports savvy, and they're like, what? they just like in disbelief. But when everything settled down, the umpire told the young man, he said, you were running so hard, you didn't touch first base. So I tell the children, let's name these bases based upon what Jesus Christ calls us to do. First base is becoming a Christian. These, this is the exact terminology that I use with them. Second base is being baptized. Third base is the rest of your life living for Jesus. And then I stop and I ask them, what do you think home plate is? And, you know, that's the first question I've asked them, and they want to get it right, so they'll think. And I said, you know, what comes after the rest of your life living for Jesus? And they know in an instant, heaven. Home plate is heaven. And so I share with them, let's talk about these bases, and I want us to be sure that we touch every base, especially first base. That is biblical right here. So let's do this, and I pray that it will be helpful to you. First base in this passage of Scripture, after Peter has preached the message, they want to know what to do. He tells them to repent and be baptized, every one of you. The first base is they believed. They believed that message. They received that message. Then they that gladly received his word. Verse 44 says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. And then in chapter 4, verse 4, where another large group believes in Christ, it says, Many of them which heard the word and what? Believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. It was 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. And I've been praying for a day like that all my life. Amen. Looking for 3,000 people to get saved in one day. And so first base toward becoming a Christian is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in what He's done, believing in His Word. I didn't give this verse, but I use it so much with you. And that is in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul tells them in the church at Rome who were all caught up in legalism that if you will believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's four passages of Scripture here and they all say the same thing, but it is very important. 
Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 is where God establishes the covenant with Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God. And it was counted or reckoned or credited to him for righteousness, which is a right relationship with God. Galatians chapter 3, 6, Paul quotes the Genesis verse. Romans 4, 3, Paul quotes the Genesis verse. James 2, 23, James quotes the Genesis verse, emphasizing that all the way at the beginning of the people of Israel, salvation was by faith, believing Believing in Christ, believing in the message, believing in the gospel, believing. And how many people will always say, well, you know, I believe in God. But I want to tell you, there's two ways to believe. We can believe in principle or we can believe in practice. In principle is with the mind. In practice is with the heart. Now, I've got to use this personal illustration, but I want you to know I'm not bragging because I don't have anything to brag about, but it really emphasizes to me the difference in believing in the mind and believing in the heart. When I was pastor of Central Baptist Church, I began to have some health problems. My lower legs, the calves of my legs would hurt and cramp so bad and my feet would get numb. So... I went to my doctor, which so many of you knew and loved, Dr. Floyd Davis. And he did what he could, and he sent me to Dr. Tommy Farrell. And finally, they decided that I had what's called polycythemia, which means an overabundance of red blood cells. The hematocrit count was high. Therefore, my circulation was kind of sluggish, and it was affecting me in the extremities of my body. Well, this was the treatment for it. I could either take large doses of niacin to oxidize the blood or I could get out and exercise to oxidize the blood. Now guess which one I chose? The pill. And I'm telling you, the first dose of that stuff flushed me and broke me out in hives and welts so bad I couldn't stand it. So I had called Dr. Davis and I said, I can't take this stuff. And he said, well, you'll just have to get out there and oxidize that blood. And I did become a therapeutic donor. That's one thing that you do to reduce your blood volume. Did I go out and start exercising? No. Did I believe my dear, precious Dr. Davis? Yes. I believed him. But I didn't do a thing about it. Until the discomfort got to a point I had to do something. You following me? And so I began to walk the deep sandy dirt roads of Reed's Pasture where we lived over there. And the largest rattlesnakes I've ever seen in my life were in Reed's Pasture. But thank goodness somebody in the car got to them before I did, you know. And so I began to, to walk and I began to feel better. And then at a certain point, I moved to Atlanta to First Baptist Avondale Estates. And I've already, I, I, I've already told the professional runner in the church, please don't judge me. But the running craze was beginning to take place. 
and they had a little four-mile run there in Avondale Estates, and I made up my mind, I'm going to do that. So I disciplined myself to the training, and come that Labor Day, I ran that four miles. And then everybody was getting ready for the Peachtree Road Race, which was a 10K, six-plus miles, and I said, I'm going to do that. So I did five years in a row of that. And then we decided we were going to run the half marathon, 13.1 miles, and we did that. And then when I got to Richmond, Virginia, is when I ran the marathon, 26.2 miles. You say, what's that like, running from here to Alma? You want to do it? But I told our professional runner here, I came in last every time and never won anything, but I want to tell you, it improved the quality of my life. You hear what I'm saying? I believe in God, Brother Bill. Where do you believe in Him? Here or here? And I'm telling you, when you believe here and you get serious, friend, the quality of your life is going to change dramatically for the rest of your life. They believe. That's first base. They believe. And I like to quote, whether people agree with certain preachers on television I can use something from every one of them and I am convinced that if you will give God first place, oh my goodness, let me see who I was listening to this morning. I think it was Michael Youssef. Yes. No, it was Tony Evans. And I heard Charles Stanley. This is why I'm such a good preacher. I listen to the pros, okay? <laughs> but Tony Evans was in Psalms and he said, Blessed are those who fear the Lord. And he interpreted the word fear. We know it means respect. We know it means love. But I love the way he said it. The word means taking God seriously. When we really believe, we take him serious. And if we will give God first place, he will take you places you never dreamed of. Amen. First base. Do you believe? Do you believe here? They that gladly received the word. Secondly then, second base, friend, they were baptized. They were baptized. It says they that gladly received his word were baptized. And baptism is one of those things that we kind of struggle with in understanding. And every time that I preach and bring up the subject of baptism, I try to more and more explain it in a way that we can really get a handle on it. And here are the two great importances of baptism. That first one is why Jesus was baptized. There in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, when he comes out at approximately the age of 30, John the Baptist, that voice of one crying in the wilderness, is baptizing. Jesus knows that's the signal. It is time for me to launch my public ministry and so he wades in the water and up to John the Baptist to be baptized no one more surprised there that day than John the Baptist because he knew who Jesus was and please do not make me baptize you I need to be baptized of you and Jesus said then this phrase it is necessary for me to fulfill righteousness which is a right relationship to God. So I study again yesterday, and I can, I can see this because Jesus was sinless. 
And this was a baptism, the people who were being baptized of repentance and the symbolism of baptism. And the one that really struck my heart as very thought-provoking was what a signal chapter this was in the history of Judaism. Jews didn't get baptized. They were never baptized because they thought of themselves as having that special relationship with God and that they did not need to repent of sin and to be baptized, but they baptized what you call proselytes, Gentiles coming into the Jewish faith known as God-fearers, and they baptized them. And all of a sudden, for Jews to begin to wade out in the Jordan River and to be baptized was indicating that the preaching of John the Baptist, anointed of the Holy Spirit, was speaking to their hearts, you need God. And for the first time in that clear way, these who tried to obey the law considered themselves the chosen people and God was only their God. All of a sudden there is that hunger for God. And when Jesus Christ waded into that water, he was indicating to them that in my life also is that relationship with God the Father. He identified, it was an identification, it was not a repentance, it was not any kind of cleansing of sin. Jesus at that point, fully God and man, stood with man that day. He stood with it. And guess what? In a few moments, Jesus, fully God and man, heard his heavenly Father say, you did good, boy. Is that what he said? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's a fulfillment of righteousness. It's a fulfillment of righteousness. And oh, baptism can be such a stumbling block to people. Why do I have to be baptized? I don't want to be baptized. I don't want to get up there in that water and you push me down in front of everybody and I come up spitting and sputtering. You know, why? I can tell you this, after a life of ministry, there is a spiritual power that I have known people that until they followed Jesus in baptism did not have the full peace of their salvation. Like there is something missing. It's like the story of the big time farmer that had a foreman that had a devout relationship with God and the, the big-time owner just never had that peace. And one day he, he asked his foreman, he said, Joe, why is it that you seem so calm? Why is it that you seem to be at peace? Why is it that you can just go with things during the day? And Joe shared with him his relationship to Jesus Christ. And the boss said, I want that. And Joe said, well, let's go down to the barn, get on our knees and pray. The big-time boss said, I don't know that that's necessary. And Joe said, you're not ready. A couple of weeks later, the same conversation. Joe, I want what you have. Well, sir, let's go down to the barn and get on our knees and pray and invite Jesus into your life. And the boss like, I don't see why that's that important. And Joe said, you're not ready. A couple of weeks later, the boss calls Joe in. And says, Joe, let's go down to the barn and get on our knees and pray. I need Jesus Christ. Joe said, boss, we don't have to. We can just get down right here. 
you're ready now. You're ready. I'm going to tell you, friend, when you're ready, baptism will be one of the most happiest experiences you've ever had next to your salvation experience. It's like Peter. When Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet, Peter said, no, you're not. And Jesus said, if I don't, you won't have any part with me. And Peter said, well, then wash my hands and my head too. Jesus saw this as a part of identifying with humanity, identifying with those who were seeking God, and it is an important testimony. It fulfills righteousness, but secondly, the Bible tells us baptism symbolizes being born again. We talk about being born again. Romans 6, 1 through 13 is what I usually quote from the baptistry when I'm getting ready to baptize, and that is the Apostle Paul uses the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and baptism as a symbol of that and that we are buried with Him in baptism and we were raised to do what? Walk in the newness of life. We are raised out of that water and it symbolizes that we invited Jesus Christ into our life, that we are a new person. And old things have passed away. Colossians chapter 2 says the same thing, that we are buried with Him in baptism and we are made alive. We are quickened by the Spirit of God. Two different illustrations here. Two guys out working in construction work. Both of them were Christians, shared their faith, enjoyed each other's company. One day, one of them hit his thumb with a hammer, and you know the rest of the story. And then he apologized to his friend. He said, I, I'm sorry I used words like that. He said, that was just my old human nature. Now listen close to this, and then I'm going to give you the flip side of the coin. His friend said to him, if you've been born again, you ain't got no human nature. Well, that's pretty stiff because it's something we need to realize Salvation is a three-stage process. The first step is justification when we repent of our sins and we are made right with God. The second stage is sanctification, which is the rest of our life living for Jesus, where we become more like Christ. And the third stage is glorification when we get to heaven and we're in that resurrection body. So here's a true story. One of my little country churches when I was in college, guy there named Sam Kitchens, he worked construction. He had a real problem with language. The Holy Spirit convicted him of it. It bothered him. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And he knew that he had grown. You see? When we're saved, we still got our human nature, but friend, we become more like Christ's nature. Amen? So one day on a job, he reached over and picked up a concrete block. It had a wash nest in it. They clenched on his hand. He threw that block down. He ran around that job site, shaking his hand, saying, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And he knew, I've come to a new place in my walk with Jesus. It symbolizes, like the prodigal son, he was dead but is now alive. First base is they believed. Second base, they were baptized. Third base, they belonged. They got in the church, friends. 
Then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And in verse 47 it tells us that praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. I'm telling you, friend, they got saved, they got baptized, and they joined the church. Amen? Glory to God. They joined the church. Jesus Christ established the church. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20, you know Peter's confession of faith at Caesarea Philippi and how that Jesus told him, you could only know this by the Holy Spirit. My Father in heaven's revealed it to you. And then he begins to say, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. To those who get confused, he did not establish the church on the apostle Peter. When you study the Greek, the word for Peter, stone, was little rock. And the word for Jesus, stone, was big rock. Friend, let me tell you about the church, and we're coming to the close here. Christ is the chief cornerstone from which the whole building develops. I'll always remember the first day that I pulled up in front of First Baptist Blackshear to talk to the pulpit committee. They were just started building the fellowship hall. It was a concrete slab. But I noticed over in one corner was about a dozen concrete blocks on that corner. You know what that was for? The rest of the walls would grow from that section. Jesus Christ is the foundation and the chief cornerstone of the church. Believers are the building blocks. The apostle Peter says we are living stones building as a royal priesthood. For the people of God, believers are the building blocks and the church is built to last and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The only people getting out of this world alive is the church of Jesus Christ. The church triumphant. The church triumphant. So I want to tell you, friend, First base is all critical. Are you saved? Are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus here, in here? Ready to practice Him and live for Him and have Him change your life and give you the quality you never dreamed it could be? Then have you been baptized to make a witness that you're that new person in Jesus? And then have you joined the people of God, the body of Christ in the world to give witness to Him? And then you will know in your heart the assurance of home plate, which is heaven. And there's where the Apostle Paul says, one day Jesus is coming back and He's bringing with Him those who went on before us. Gather us up. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's biblical for me to invite you to give your life to Jesus Christ.
It's biblical for me to invite you to be baptized. It is biblical for me to invite you to join Sweat Memorial Baptist Church. Amen? It is biblical. So now, as James comes to lead us in a hymn of invitation, play ball, friends. Amen? Play ball. Would you stand? Would you come to Christ and His church?